1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 1203, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the 3rd of January 2024 in the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Andy Dane, in for Rob Hart today. Job openings in the U.S. fell to a two-year low. During November, we'll take a look at the local employment market in our next segment. But right now, residents and property owners on Chicago's near west side pushing for long-term investments that will hold beyond next year's Democratic National Convention at the United Center. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line reminding you to bring your business home is Andy Shaw, longtime ABC7 political reporter and former head of the Better Government Association. Andy, thanks for being with us here on the noon business hour today. Uh, Let's start with a, a look back. You, of course, covered the, the DNC the last time it was here in Chicago. When you look back at those memories, what kind of stands out out for you?
3: Well, from an economic standpoint, Andy, it was a bonanza for the city of Chicago. Mayor Daley at that time used the convention run-up to develop a lot of streetscape west of downtown, and that has blossomed into the whole near west side development, Randolph Street, Fulton Market. So it was a huge Win-win for the city, an investment that really paid off. It's going to be a lot harder this time around for Mayor Johnson because, first of all, all that area west of the loop has already been developed. And it's very hard to see where you're going to get a lot of development west of the United Center in impoverished areas. You can improve the streetscapes, the lighting, the security. But attracting business is very, very complicated. There's no anchor there. There's no big store. There's no hotels. You've got the medical complex to the south. But the challenge this time around is much greater. Mayor Daly had a lot of fertile area west of downtown up to the United Center. But the area west of United Center and south is, uh, is fairly poor, and it's very hard to attract investment. He does have one advantage, though. He's got a lot of TIF money, that's tax increment finance money, that's being shifted around. He can use some of that for investment. Plus, the city is going to borrow a billion dollars to pay a lot of bills and invest in some other social programs. So the challenge is, what can he do west of the United Center that's going to make a difference? We'll have to wait and see.
2: You mentioned kind of some of the challenges there, Andy. In your eyes, what what can the city do and what kind of benefits can the, can the convention give to, to really all neighborhoods of Chicago here?
3: Well, it's going to be a bonanza either way, Andy. The problem, of course, in terms of developing poor neighborhoods is that almost all of the hotels and restaurants and nightlife um, takes place east of the United Center, downtown River North. Uh, West Loop, even even near South Side, that's where all the development has been. That's where most of the hotels are. That's where the delegates are going to be staying. So most of their social activity. And spending, for that matter, is going to be far, far from the United Center. The real question is, what can you do in poorer neighborhoods? In a perfect world, you'd build a big hotel west of the United Center and hope that a 1,000 delegates stayed there and used the neighborhood. But that, of course, can't possibly happen in a few months. And so... He's going to have to nibble around the margins, maybe, uh, like I said, some nice streetscaping, some lighting improvements, some security measures that make the neighborhoods a little more attractive. But it's going to be very hard because at the end of the day, business has to invest there. And those are not areas that have attracted business in the past. They've been food deserts and economic deserts. So this is a huge it's a huge opportunity. But also a very daunting challenge. It's not as nice as it was for Rich Daly in 1996 when he had a beautiful corridor west of downtown that is, of course, blossoming into a real, real nice social and restaurant area.
2: And we certainly have a lot to uh, keep an eye on here as the DNC inches closer and closer. Great stuff as always. Thanks so much for being with us. Andy Shaw, longtime ABC7 political reporter and former head of the BGA. Coming up, an update on the Chicago area job market. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, job openings end of the year on a down note, but despite the challenges, Chicago's employment landscape presenting a host of promising opportunities. Let's take a look at what is going on locally with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half. Michelle, thanks for being with us here on the noon Business Hour. Let's dive right in here. Your forecast for the uh, the 2024 jobs market locally.
0: Well, we're still very optimistic about um, hiring locally in 2024. Um, Our state of the U.S. hiring report shows 60% of companies still plan to add new full-time jobs. And a lot of companies are even looking at contract workers. And so um, what we find is that many projects that were held up in 2023 are ready to get started in 2024. And so it's a great time still to look for a job.
2: Michelle, there's so much discussion uh, these days about AI, artificial intelligence. Curious how that may impact uh, jobs and even the hiring process here as we roll into 2024.
0: You know, most of 2023 and going into 2024, what we saw was that AI, you know, replaced some jobs, but in many cases created lots of new jobs. And so it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to embrace, um, update your resume with. You know, take a course, learn a class, find out what your company is doing where AI is concerned and embrace it and get involved.
2: Michelle, you mentioned kind of some particular areas of the job market. In your eyes here, uh, 2024, where should people be looking for the most opportunity in the job market?
0: You know, there are so many sectors still strong as demand for talent has been low in so many areas. Um, And so, you know, what we really say is, There are key things that you can do to get out there and find where the jobs are, things like updating your LinkedIn profile, um, looking at your skill sets and updating any skill sets like AI that we just discussed, Um, reaching out to your network. The beginning of the year is always a great time to reconnect with your network to find out which companies are hiring, who has got job openings, and who you can connect with. And then even turning to a local staffing firm they always have a great handle on the market. They will know which companies have needs or projects that are, are bent, pent up. And they're a great way to make a connection to those job openings that are out there.
2: Uh, Michelle, are we noticing anything different in the Chicago area as opposed to potential national trends here job-wise in 2024?
0: No, honestly, the Chicago market is following a lot of the trends that you're seeing across the U.S. You know, I think the key one is being very open and flexible. To a hybrid or in-office work environment, I think gone are the days of 100% remote. And I think we're seeing that across the country. We are also seeing that with our Chicago clientele as well. And, you know, we say for both sides, for our clients as well as our candidates, be very flexible still to hybrid work because there are lots of great candidates out there that don't want 100% in office. But there are also a lot of great opportunities um, where you can still find a hybrid work situation and still work from home a couple days a week.
2: And Michelle, before we let you go, any other lasting tips you have for, for those who are rolling into 2024, maybe with a resolution of, uh, of finding a new job, uh, any advice for those who are, who are looking at the market right now and, and hoping to, to land a new job in the new year?
0: Yeah, I would say number one thing is be persistent. Um, the hiring process nowadays, as we came through 2023 into 2024, we found that hiring process takes more time than it did in the past. So don't get discouraged, stay in touch, keep reaching out to the hiring manager, you know, prepare properly for your interviews. Um, But don't be disappointed if that hiring process takes, you know, what used to take two weeks could now take three, four weeks or, you know, longer. Um, Stay with it.
2: Really helpful stuff as we enter the new year. Thanks so much, Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half. Up next, artificial intelligence coming to more devices, including smartphones
1: Lunch money for all
2: generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Samsung and Apple bringing artificial intelligence to their phones. Let's talk tech now with Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and professor of advanced media in residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Shelly, thanks for joining us here on the Noon Business Hour today. All right, now we've been hearing a lot uh, about Apple and Samsung as they look to deploy AI to their devices, Uh, and a lot of questions there. Tell us, what what will that look like?
1: I think, first and foremost, it's going to look like Chat GPT meets Siri at, you know, Alexa's house, basically. Uh, You'll have some vocal or voice-activated assistance. You'll have some text-activated assistance. But I think the most important part about AI on the phone is going to be privacy, because the phones are powerful enough now to run... Um, large language models locally, meaning that they won't need to go to the cloud or to the internet, and you won't need to share your data. So that's fully in line with Apple's privacy strategy, and I think Samsung's about to adopt something very similar. So a couple of good things are going to happen. One, you're going to have some AI capabilities, text-to-image, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, speech-to-multi, just multimodal AI on your phone, and it'll really stay on your phone, which I think is a very big deal.
2: Any other concerns? I mean, I know, Shelley, that any time AI gets brought up, there are, and you mentioned kind of some concerns when it comes to to user privacy. Anything else that you're kind of keeping an eye on that, that may present some red flags here during the rollout?
1: I don't think that red flags um, are going to be any different from the normal AI angst, right? Do we Is it going to take over the world? Is it terminated? The answer to all these questions is that's nonsense. One of the big things that the phone could do, and by the way, we're not sure that this is going to be true. We know that the capability is there for these models to run locally on phones and to preserve privacy. That doesn't mean that that's how they're going to deploy them. Apple probably will, but Samsung's under no obligation, either on mission or for any other reason, to do so. So, of course, there's always the opportunity for people to misuse data. I think the most important thing on the phone is that once you get multimodal AI on your device, we're gonna enter the age of what I guess I'm calling social production. So whatever you think social media did to media or whatever social media means to you in the context of media, meaning citizen journalists or people able to do their own thing, social production is you describe what you want and it will just be made for you. So it makes everybody a producer. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think on balance, it's awesome. On the other hand, it could be awesomely awful. So time will tell.
2: Yeah, fascinating stuff. Certainly a lot of outcomes here we'll be keeping an eye on. Thanks as always. Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and professor of advanced media in residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Still ahead, it is Personal Finance Wednesday, considering a dry January for your finances. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Today, I'm Andy Dane. In for Rob Hart, these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. More than 100 people are dead after a bombing near a memorial gathering in Iran.
4: This is Nancy Hardy. More suburbs have approved fines against buzz companies that drop off asylum seekers unannounced.
2: Personal Finance Wednesday, extending the concept of a dry January to your financial strategy. And the start of a new year can be perfect time to review and enhance your credit score. Sports, the Bulls take on the Knicks in New York tonight. Wall Street today, the Dow is down 137 points, NASDAQ dropping 113, and the S&P 500 falling 21. Cloudy skies this afternoon, the high 37 degrees with snow on the way tonight. Right now, cloudy and 33 degrees at 1231. A service commemorating a military leader in the Middle East has turned into a tragic event. Here, CBS News correspondent Cami McCormick. There has been a deadly attack in Iran as thousands mark the death of a top Iranian general killed by the U.S. four years ago. Explosions rang out at the ceremony. <laughs> At least 100 people were killed, more than 100 wounded. The U.S. killed Qasem Soleimani in a drone strike four years ago at Baghdad Airport in Iraq. Former President Donald Trump at the time.
3: Last night at my direction, the United States military successfully executed a flawless precision strike that killed the number one terrorist anywhere in the world, Qasem Soleimani. Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats and military personnel.
0: Soleimani was head of the Iranian Quds Force.
2: No group has claimed responsibility for what Iranian state media is calling a terroristic attack. Multiple suburbs have now passed ordinances crafted to prevent the drop-off of migrants bussed from the U.S. southern border. That includes Hinsdale, where Tom Colley is village president.
5: These drop-offs started because Chicago, which is a sanctuary city, pass an ordinance restricting the flow of buses of migrants directly to the city from texas
2: buffalo grove joliet north chicago and wilmington among the other communities to approve the so-called drop-off laws
5: cash credit debit
2: and totally free the wbbm noon business hour continues Stock trading down, it appears today, and joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Shaw Galani, chief investment strategist at manwordpress.com. Shaw, thanks for being with us here on the new business hour today. All right, so tech stocks have gotten a bit roughed up here at the start of 2024. Uh, your thoughts on that and just your initial thoughts here as 2024 gets underway, what you're seeing.
6: Uh, markets can't go uh, straight up all the time. I think on the heels of a tremendous November and December, uh, there was bound to be some profit-taking, Andy, and I think what we're seeing here is simply that. Uh, we got a little bit uh, overbought in terms of equities and certainly overbought in terms of the bond market, uh, and, and, and Bitcoin, too. I think all coins also. So uh, across-the-board rally means some point you're going to have to have uh, take a breath, and that's all we're seeing right here. There's nothing fundamentally changed as far as my, my bullishness, underlying bullishness, and nothing has fundamentally changed as far as outlook for the market.
2: And, Shaw, in, in that case, what is your forecast kind of for the markets overall here as we roll into 2024?
6: I'm, I'm very positive on 2024. I don't think it's going to be a, a clear run. Uh, I think we're going to see something like we saw in 2023. We're going to see, certainly get some bumps, probably get a couple of corrections. We're going to get some activity in terms of markets uh, – Approval, disapproval of what the Fed does, whether it cuts enough or not enough. Uh, So not unlike 2023, when a lot of the big moves, the big days we saw were around FOMC uh, rate hike uh, decisions. I think in 2024, we're going to see the markets react to whether or not the Fed cuts. And then each of the meetings is going to be another um, cliffhanger. So uh, it's not going to be a smooth ride, but I think net-net, the likelihood that recession is somewhere out there will probably remain somewhere out there. And with declining interest rates and declining inflation, the trend being lower, I think the markets have a runway to go higher.
2: Shaw uh, AI was kind of a big theme in the year of 2023. I'm curious uh, from where you sit, if you see perhaps a a theme that that may play into 2024 here.
6: I think AI is going to be even bigger in 2024, but part of the problem is going to be we can see some of the headsache companies that used AI in their marketing and certainly attached AI to everything they do to find out that they're really not able to apply ai and it's not going to move the needle in terms of their earnings profitability where other companies are going we're going to separate the wheat from the chaff and there're going to be other companies who are going to explode in terms of profitability in 2024 but the difficulty is going to be fine still finding where you know who what's real and what's not and as we see with chat gpt we're having a hard enough time now discerning what's real and what's not whether it's in photographs or images or any of the things that we're seeing and, and coming into an election year, I'm a, the one of the reasons I'm, I'm I believe we're going to see quite a few bumps is in this election year. I think AI is going to play a huge part, and it's not going to be necessarily all good.
2: And, Sean, one final question for you before we let you go here. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people kind of had uh, maybe making some money and maybe changing their market strategy as a New Year's resolution heading into 2024. Uh, your advice uh, to the individual investor here as we roll into the new year?
6: i, I got some easy advice. Well, what worked last year was the NASDAQ 100. And I think it's as far as a, it's, we call it a base builder, Um, I would put a lot of money into the triple Qs. I mean, you have plenty of liquidity there. Uh, The the triple Qs, the NASDAQ 100 is measured by the triple Q ETF, uh, was up 53.8%. I think we get half of that next year, and then investors will be very happy. So that's an easy way to play it.
2: Really helpful stuff as we roll into the new year. Thanks so much, Shaw Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at ManWordPress.com. Coming up next on the Noon Business Hour, it is Personal Finance Wednesday. We'll get the year off to a good start with a dry January for your money. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. On this Personal Finance Wednesday, we are looking at the concept of a dry January as it applies to money management, as we now welcome in Sherry Greco-Rikis, co-founder of Rappaport-Rikis Capital Management in Chicago, also author of the book, Maximize Your Return on Life. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, all right, so everybody knows a dry January, you're putting away the alcohol for the month. Uh, it's tough for some. I'm new to the idea of a dry January for your personal finances. So explain that to us a bit if you can.
4: Yeah, I love that idea. Uh, It just means maybe eliminating some things from your budget to help you save more money. Uh, I have a quote from my dad who always said you can have anything you want, not everything. So pick what's most important. And I am challenging my clients in January to really look at your values. And are you really spending in accordance with your values? Are you spending just to keep up with your friends and everyone else? So I love this dry January, and there's a few things we can talk about.
2: Well, so let's dive in, Sherry. So let's say you want to do kind of a subscription audit uh, during a financial dry January and identify and eliminate eliminate maybe some unnecessary spending. Is that maybe a place you recommend people start? Do you have somewhere else that maybe if people want to, to take part in this and want to cut some of their spending, where do you suggest they start?
4: Yeah, I have a lot what I call budget busters, and one of them are subscriptions. And you can look at your iPhone because these things automatically um, have you pay the payments, whether annually or monthly, and sometimes you forget about it. Uh, Look at health clubs. Look at magazines. Are you uh, audible? Are, Are you using all those services? Look at all of your TV, your Netflix, your Macs, all those, and see if you're really using it. Uh, But one that really comes to mind and it really ties into dry January is dining out. Uh, Prices have gotten so expensive eating out. And, of course, when you eat out, you usually want a drink. And if you're participating in dry January, they may hinder the process there. But really maybe set a goal. You're going to only go out once a week, and it's going to be with friends on a social uh, engagement and also ordering in can get very expensive. You know, you got taxes. Often you're tipping when you order in. Um, making food from home can really save some money.
2: So Sherry, you know whether you're doing Dry January financially or when it comes to alcohol, you know there's always, I'm sure, the urge. You know, even if you're if you're putting away the booze for the month, you may have a, a tough day and you maybe just want to have a glass of wine or something like that. Uh, especially if you're doing it financially, and you mentioned maybe that urge to to order a pizza or or go out to eat. Uh, if if people are are taking part and they're having maybe the urge to to spend a little, to splurge a little, what are some of the ways you recommend people kind of limit that? urge and and try to keep it uh, keep it intact
4: yeah i mean just like dry january if you sometimes just doing it completely no liquor helps so maybe you just say no dining out but there's a lot of other things that move the needle designer coffees Uh, i just went and got a coffee the other day it was seven dollars now i like my soy milk i like my little extras in there but i can make my own coffee at home for a lot cheaper also, um, clutter. Maybe it's time to clean out those closets. Do you really need to buy something new? Maybe there's something you haven't worn in a while. I have an in-out policy. If you're going to buy something new, bring it in, but take something out and donate it. Uh, there's um, a lot of little things, like maybe carry a water bottle instead of buying all the water that could be 2 $3. Uh, library card. Are you buying books? Maybe you can get some of that for free. Uh, when you go shopping have a list if you don't have a list you're going to have impulse buys and my last one which i think would be very difficult but just like dry january what if you did no online shopping for the whole month of january including all those impulse buys on amazon i mean you are getting ads every single day sales yes you might save money but it's still costing you so you know i would challenge listeners maybe no online shopping the whole month of january
2: it's kind of tough sound to it that's for sure uh sherry one last question for you before we let you go uh you know if people are taking part in this and 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 hopefully everyone who does it is a successful month what are some of the ways and i assume the hope here is that you kind of get through january and maybe you cut down your spending and as the rest of the year goes on you realize you know what why not do this every month? You know, I, I. how can this kind of help you kind of get your finances in order for the rest of the year?
4: Yeah, and I like baby steps. So pick one thing, maybe January it's subscriptions. Maybe February, you're going to reduce the coffee. But if you try to do everything at once, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. So pick one thing, see how it goes. And maybe there's a big trip you want to go and all the little coffee that you didn't get will help subsidize that. So remember, you can have anything you want, not everything. Pick what's most important to you and try not to waste money on things that will not have an impact on your life.
2: Really, really helpful stuff here in the new year. Thanks so much, Sherry Greco-Rikis, co-founder of Rappaport-Rikis Capital Management in Chicago, also author of the book, Maximize Your Return on Life. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. Still to come today, strategies to boost your credit score. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, as you examine your finances in the new year, a credit score boost should be part of your strategy. Let's get some help now from Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Ted, thanks for being with us here on the new Business Hour today. Uh, in what areas uh, can your credit score maybe have the most impact as as we look at hopefully kind of giving it a boost here in 2024?
5: It's really one of the most important numbers in your financial life because it goes a long way toward deciding whether or not you're approved for loans and lines of credit, even things like apartment leases, the interest rate you'll pay on loans and lines of credit. Your credit score is really important. My top tip for improving your score quickly is to bring your credit utilization ratio down. So that's credit you're using divided by credit available to you, especially on credit cards, What a lot of people don't realize is that even if you pay in full every month, which is great for avoiding interest, you may still have a high utilization ratio if you use the card a lot. So the fix could be maybe make an extra mid-month payment or two or maybe ask for a higher credit limit.
2: So, Ted, you know, everybody has kind of maybe optimistic uh, views and resolutions as we head into the new year, and maybe improving your credit score is one of them. I mean, is it possible to make a really dramatic improvement over a short period of time, or is this something you kind of just got to chip away at?
5: In general, credit scoring is more of a marathon than a sprint. It's all about the long haul of paying bills on time, keeping your debts low, successfully managing various types of credit. That said, there are some things you can do quickly. So besides lowering your credit utilization ratio, that can help quite a bit. Um, But besides that, look at your reports. Get errors taken off. That right there could be a huge jump. Like if you're among the one in five Americans who have errors on your credit report, getting that taken off could possibly get you a 100-point boost, depending on what it is. Um, So pull your reports at annualcreditreport.com report anything that looks amiss, another good thing you can do is sign up for alternative credit monitoring systems, things like Experian Boost. They say the average user boosts their score by 13 points. And this is a free program you can opt into. They're looking for things like on-time cell phone payments and utilities and streaming services, things that haven't historically counted in credit scoring.
2: Ted, finally, any other mistakes or maybe even misconceptions people may have when it comes to their credit score here in the new year?
5: I think a big misconception is that you have to have a lot of debt to have a good credit score. I mean, you could use a credit card, pay it in full, avoid interest. That right there can really help your credit score. So this is advice really for everybody, but including those young adults who may be afraid of dipping into the credit pool. I mean, I would say get a credit card, put some routine expenses on it, pay it off right away. That could actually be a free way to earn some rewards and build credit. You can even piggyback off a parent's credit by getting as an authorized user on one of their credit cards.
2: Really helpful stuff here in the new year. Thanks so much, Ted Rossman, Industry Analyst at CreditCards.com. Don't forget, you can find past programs, and later today, give it a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com, as well as the Odyssey app.